this morning, I thought, you know what? In keeping with the theme of today, I'm going to preach a message entitled, Keeping Your Shoes On. Keeping Your Shoes On. Ecclesiastes chapter 1, excuse me, 12, beginning verse number 1. There's the one. Remember now your Creator in the days of your youth, before the difficult days come, and the years draw near when you say, I have no pleasure in them. While the sun and the light, the moon and the stars are not darkened, and the clouds do not return after the rain. In the day when the keepers of the house tremble and the strong men bow down, when the grinders cease because they are few. Now, everybody knows what he's talking about, right? Teeth. You know, as you get older, your teeth fall out anyway. That's what he's talking about. He goes on. And those that look through the windows, uh, those, those that look through the windows grow dim. Talking about your eyesight, dimming. When the doors are shut in the streets and the sound of grinding is low, when one rises up at the sound of a bird and all the daughters of music are brought low, also they are afraid of height and of terrors in the way. When the almond tree blossoms, the grasshopper is a burden and, the, and desire fails. For, men go, for, men, for man goes to his eternal home and the mourners go about the streets. Remember your creator before the silver cord is loosed or the golden bowl is broken, or the pitcher shattered in the, at the fountain, or the wheel broken at the well. Then the dust will return to the earth as it was, and the Spirit will return to God who gave it. Verse 8, vanity of vanity, says the preacher, all is vanity. May the Lord add His blessing to His Word this morning. You know, again, as I was thinking about this message today in this service, I do like kicking it old school sometimes. I do like going down memory lane because, again, I'm, I'm third generation. I grew up in church. Uh, you know the mantra, by the time I was seven years old, I could marry you, bury you, baptize you, preach on the conviction. <laughs> um, but, but I enjoy it because these songs were, were about faith. I mean, again, a lot of words, they were quite verbose, but, but, but they did something to people. You know, they inspired people. They challenged people. And, and so when I was thinking about kicking it old school, I thought, you know what? I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take the whole day and I'm going to honor senior saints. Now, I know if you were to go to the calendar and you were to look at the date, it doesn't say old people day or silver saint day or, you know, or elderly Sunday. It, do, it doesn't say that. Now, I don't mean any offense by that, okay? Because I resemble that more. You know, isn't it amazing how perspective changes? When I started pastoring here, I was 27 years old. I'm not 27 anymore. And so how I define age is a little bit different than what I did at 27. I thought 45 was old. Now that I'm 57, it doesn't look so bad. Right? Uh, you know, but here's the thing. I, I want today to just take a moment on a Sunday and honor those who have forged the paths that we, have walk, that we walk on. It's important to do that. Again, it's not Seniors Day according to the calendar, but I want to honor our senior adults. And I want to say this publicly, I love how active our senior adult ministry is here at Bethel Temple. I really do. I appreciate the way they invest in the generations that are coming up afterwards. Again, church is different today. Even, even in my time, even in my time as pastor here 30 years ago to where we are today, it's totally different and I appreciate the investment that our elderly, elderly people made. I was talking in the early service, and, and the reason, I, I, I love elderly people. Not, not necessarily because I'm getting closer to that age group, and I love, you know, but, but I love what they mean to society. I, I know in America, we don't, we, we don't put a high value on the, on the elderly, but this preacher does. 
when I started pastoring here, I was 20, as I said, I was 27 years old, and this church of 30 people in the beginning, uh, when I walked in, uh, most of the people here at that time were over 55 years of age. Really weird mixture to have a, 50, a, a church of that, of that age adopt a, 50, a 27-year-old to come in and pastor, but they did. They, uh, and and I, I can remember back, and some of you have been here a while, you know, we used to have brown paneling that went all across this building here. Anybody remember that? And then we had a banister that ran right along here with risers where the choir would be. We had an organ that sat down there, and a piano was over here, and... and uh, orange carpet, and we had orange pews, and just kind of ugly, you know, and, and, and I remember walking in and, and seeing 30 people here, and again, all of them, most of them were over 55 years of age, but here's the thing about that, those, those, those elderly people started investing in my life, and I remember them talking to me and challenging me and speaking words of faith to me, and I am a product today of those people that were here when I, when I came. They, 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 again, they encouraged me. I, I can remember a couple ladies that, in particular that used to come up to me and, 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 and their little frail. Uh, so we used to have a quilting group that would meet every Thursday where, where the nursery is right now. Uh, that used to be a quilting room, and they had a big quilting rack suspended from the ceiling, and every Thursday, about six or eight of them would gather in there, and they would sit around that little square, and they'd all be knitting their, sewing their little square on those quilts. And they would get one section finished, and they'd roll it up, and they'd move in closer. And I'd go down there on Thursdays, and part of it was because they'd bring lunch, and that lunch aroma would drift down the, <laughs> down the building, and I would smell it in my office, and I'd be like, I need to go see what's going on down there. And I'd go in there, and they would just start speaking words of faith. And we did our uh, first building campaign that we did, that quilting group of ladies decided that they wanted to raise funds for the church. And so they quilted for the public. And when we received our special offering to build in 1995, the Family Life Center, the original building over there, that little group of ladies gave a, church, a, a check for $5,000 that they had earned by sitting back there stitching a quilt. Amen, that's good stuff. And they, and they would always tell me the same thing. Young man, God's promised he would restore everything that has been taken. Now, I'll tell you what, you get a young 27-year-old pastor and you get a, a, a few of those older ladies, and that's what it mostly was, older ladies, and you get a Doris Lee Williams and a, and a, a, a Sister Porter and and Emma Matthews, and Zena Eubanks, and, uh, and Aunt Jack, I can, still, I, I can still remember spots where they would sit, and they would just do something to me. So I honor, I honor our elderly. I love how active you are and the way that you invest in the generations, and I'm grateful for our senior saints, and I cherish every one of you with all of my heart. Don't ever underestimate your value to me or to the BT family. We are a product of what you, listen, everybody today is a product of the choices that, that you have made, right? How many would believe that? Every one of us are the results right now, the cumulative result of the things that we have chosen in the past. And today, this church is what it is largely because we had a wonderful group of adults, senior adults, that took time to pray, to sow into and invest into. You know, when I started pastoring here, the consensus was 
you go into a church, you turn everything upside down, you let the chips fall where they may, and basically it was, you know what, you got to, you got to, the, the drive back then was you got to get younger. If you want, if you really want to make an impact in the world today, the church has to get younger and younger and younger. I didn't, I never bought into that because I look at it, I look at our elderly as a, as a vast resource of wisdom, of people who have been there, they've done that, and we need to tap that. And so I honor you today. One of the realities, though, as we talk about today is we are, again, I know this is not a, a profound statement, but the, one of the realities that all of us have to face is that today we're all getting older. Amen. How many believe that? I mean, but, but here's the thing. We live in a society today that is obsessed with youthfulness, right? You notice that? We live in a society today that is obsessed with, with youth, youthfulness, and I think we all need to face the music that we are getting older one day at a time. I mean, everywhere we turn, you think about in our culture today, everywhere we turn, there are advertisements to nip it, tuck it, enhance it, reduce it, color it, pluck it, wax it, freeze it, or firm it. Isn't that true? I mean, everywhere you turn, there's a product that promises all kinds of things. We are obsessed with youthfulness, but yet all of these advancements cannot, cannot void the reality that we're aging. One day at a time. I know this is something that I'm coming to grips with for myself. You know, I, I, liked, I liked being young. And, of course, everybody in the building would say, me too. You know, if I, that's why I think when I get to heaven, it's going to be forever 70 degrees and I'll be 30 years of age. <laughs> now, that's, not in, that's in a Mike Mizell paraphrase. That's not in the scriptures there. But... But I like being young. I like I liked the activity of, of my youthfulness. You know, again, I, it's, it's a sad reality that there, and I was telling early service, you know, 10 years ago, I had more, I had more stamina than I do today. 10, year, 10 years ago, I could do things actively that I can't do today. You know, we've done mission trips since 1997. We've gone one or two times a year somewhere in the world to do a project. Most of the time, that centers on constructing. And so there's, there were two bricklayers in the church, me and Terry Mangrum, and everybody else would prepare the mortar, and, and we would take 80, 80, uh, 45 pounds, 85 pounds, uh, yeah, I'm really, 45 pound blocks. We would lay about 900, the two of us, in four days. I can't do that anymore. I can't do that anymore. And, and it bothers me. Does it, I mean, anybody know what I'm talking about? There are things that I could do 10 years ago, I can't. The stamina that, of which I did ministry, I don't have that stamina anymore, and it bothers me. That's just the reality of where we are. I, was, I, I love the, the, the wisdom of this old man. He was 99 years old, and a young man walked up to him. He said, he said How, wh what is it about, uh, what's your secret for living so long? The old man looked at him and said, well, it's pretty simple. Just keep breathing. <laughs> I thought, well, that's pretty good wisdom right there. <laughs> I mean, if you, if you want to live long, just keep breathing. I came across a a top 10, funny top 10, 10 signs that reveal that you're growing old, okay? So number 10, the gleam in your eyes is the sun hitting your bifocals. Number nine, you get winded playing cards. Number eight, you know all the answers, but nobody asks the questions. Number seven, you need your glasses to find your glasses. <laughs> I resemble that more than I'd like. Number six, you sink your teeth into a stake and they stay there. <laughs> That's wrong. 
Number five, your children begin, your children begin to look middle-aged. <laughs> Number four, you turn out the light for economy instead of romance. <laughs> Number, <laughs> Number three, I use this one. Everything hurts. What doesn't hurt? Don't work. Number two, your knees buckle, but your belt won't. Number one, you need a fire permit to light the candles on your birthday cake. <laughs> Anybody, yeah, you can resemble that. I would add one more to it, and that is this. My back goes out more than I do. <laughs> Somebody this morning, you know, I've, I've been having some therapy on my feet because I I, you know, when you wear combat boots for as long, you know, they have, anyway, so I got injections, I'm doing therapy, I didn't know they'd do therapy on your feet, so I've been having therapy on my feet, so my feet feel great, but on Thursday, my back went out, so somebody asked me this morning, so how's the feet, they're good, but the back's not doing so well, <laughs> so listen, regard, regardless of how we feel about aging, the truth is, we're getting older, we're aging, the clock keeps ticking, doesn't matter what you do to it, Life is ebbing from us. I know, that's, I know that's sobering thought, and I don't mean to be a downer today. That's not what this intent is about. But that's the reality that we live with. You know, and for some people, it's great news. I mean, you know, it's great news as we get older. There's a lot of things that change. There's a lot of wonderful things about aging. For a lot of people, they're going to fight it to the very end. You know, I go to the gym. I try to go every day when I'm not in pain which tends to be about two times a month, but I really try to get there regularly. <laughs> no. You know, it just, it, here, here's, the clock keeps ticking. You know, we all know those people who grow old gracefully, and then we know those who don't. Every one of us here knows some older people that are just wonderful, friendly, and kind, and then we also know some elderly, elderly people who are grumps and sourpusses, Right? Of course, I know some young people that are grumps and sourpusses too. I mean, so let me ask you this. Is there anybody in the building, I, I'm going to do something real quick, and I know I've got to hurry. But anyway, is there anybody in the building born before 1935? So back here. So what years were you born? Alma? 1931. How, what? 1933. I think we ought to get, oh, oh. Gaynell? 1934. Uh-oh, Sister McCoy, I didn't see you back there. 32? 32, 35. Doc? 30 who? 35. Hey, I think that warrants a hand clap right there. <laughs> wow. 1931. Wow. 1931, that's incredible. I mean, do you know, listen, listen to this. If you were born, I mean, that's 1931. If you were born before 1945, you preceded McDonald's. We got, I mean, really, really, I mean, we got a generation now that's never lived without a McDonald's. My daughter, when she was a kid, we lived, when we first moved to Texas, we lived in Irving, Texas, and we lived right next door in an apartment complex to a McDonald's. And every time we would drive, I don't care where we were coming from, she'd see the golden arches and French fries. That was her thing. But if you were born before 1945, you came before McDonald's, you came before yogurt, daycare centers, computers, group therapy, <laughs> and the pill. 
1955, a nickel would buy you a Coke and enough stamps to mail one letter and two postcards. You could buy a new Chevy for $600 and a, tank of, and a gallon of gas would cost you 11 cents. You have seen, if you were born before 1945, you've seen the advent of, of television, contact lens, credit cards, ballpoint pens, dishwashers, and copy machines. You were born in a time when closets were for clothes not coming out of. You were, you were, <laughs> there was a purpose for those. You were born when, when, when making out referred to how you did on your exam. When pot was something you cooked in. <laughs> those were the days, right? You know, it seemed like life was simpler, but it by no means was easier. You know, my wife used to watch, love watching uh, Little House on the Prairie. And she would say things like, I sure like to live back there. And I said, I sure wouldn't. <laughs> You know, I, because they overly, simpli they overly simplify life the way it was. Listen, you, the, you grew up in a time that had challenges, but it was a great way of living. You know, I grew up, I'm a, I'm a child of the, I grew up, I was born in 1965, so I grew up in the 70s and 80s, and, and I had a wonderful time. I enjoy my life, and sometimes I think, man, if I could wind the clock back, I'd probably, nah, anyway, I don't know. If I could go back with the same wisdom I have now. That'd be different, right? You know, Solomon, and I got to get to the message. Solomon found out that life is tough. And again, depending on the decisions that we make, it can get tougher. You see, Paul, Solomon penned these words of Ecclesiastes as a sermon. And what he was trying to do is he's wanting to warn transgressors. Actually, he's wanting to help them understand God's way and, and exhort people to, to make God, all of their life, the number one priority of their life. That's what Ecclesiastes is all about. The whole end part of the book of Ecclesiastes is that it is all vanity. See, Solomon is the guy who, who did everything and anything his heart desired, and yet at the end of his life, the summation was it's all vanity of vanities. He spent his entire life pursuing things that promised to make him happy, promised to fulfill him, and yet at the twilight of his life, he looks back and he says, you know what? It's not worth anything. Man's pursuit of happiness and contentment apart from God, it always leads to emptiness and frustration. You know, it's kind of hard to believe that the same man who wrote some of the great wisdom found in Proverbs is also the same man who wrote Ecclesiastes. Many scholars believe that when Solomon wrote Proverbs, he was in the prime of his life. His relationship with God was strong as it had ever been, and, and all in all, things were going pretty well. But when he wrote Ecclesiastes, he had endured a season of apostasy where he had abandoned his faith, walked away from God, he pursued other things, he turned his heart from God, and so now at the twilight of his life, he's coming to realize that it's all vanity, that it's all worthless. And so in our text, he's closing out his sermon and as he does, he leaves some very powerful and lasting words for those of us who read it. Remember, you, Solomon is the quintessential, been there, done that man. How I many you know what I'm talking about? He's the quintessential, been there, done that man. And he said, nothing, here's what he said, nothing that my heart desired did I withhold from myself. So here's a guy who's, who, who's seen it, he's done it, he's experienced it. He did not hold, let anything slide that he thought might do something for him. 
And what was the summation? Here's how he summed up life. He said in verse 1, Remember your Creator in the days of your youth before the days of trouble come. Remember. Solomon has grown into a man who looks back over his life and he wishes that he would have made different choices. You know, regret is a, is a really powerful thing. In my 35 plus years of ministry, I have been involved and officiated many, many, many funerals down through the years. And I can tell you, I've seen, I've seen people that have come to a funeral and they are overwhelmed with regret. Whether it be a parent-child relationship or some familiar relationship or something like that, regret is a powerful thing. You know, we, we, uh, and, and so that's what Solomon is doing. Solomon is at, at the twilight of his life. He probably has one foot in the grave and one foot crumbling dirt. And he looks back over and he's got deep regret. And he says, you know what? Remember the creator in the days of your youth. He's regretting the life that he lived. As he aged, he allowed all these other things to come in and distract him. And so he writes these words and you can almost sense the bitterness of life's tough lessons. Learn, church, young person, to treasure, relate, treasure your relationship with God while you're young, and it will carry you through the twilight of your life. That's why I value the elderly, because I look at people who have walked this walk of faith longer, some of them longer than I've been alive. And they've endured hardships and disappointments and letdowns, and yet they're still growing strong, and they're singing songs like we did this morning, and they're songs that bring out the best in them because they believe. We need a strong relationship with God in our youth so that we can handle the pitfalls of aging. You know, there are pitfalls to aging. What are they? Well, number one, things that never bothered you as a young person become a bother to you now. Look at verse number five. He says, and the grasshopper shall be a burden. Now, that's kind of interesting. You think about it. When, we, when we're young, we don't think much about a grasshopper, okay? I mean, a grasshopper lands on us. We kind of we kind of shoo it off. It's just kind of immaterial. It just, just really makes no big a deal. So what, what he's saying here is that as we age, those little small insignificant things that we never paid attention to now all of a sudden are big deals. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You know, things that we used to ignore as a, as a young person or a young adult, we, we look past things and we never really gave it much thought. But as we got older, it starts pushing our buttons, since we get eight, that's one of the pitfalls. We start letting little things become big things. We make mountains out of molehills. You know, the idea is that these little things of life never bothered us in our youth, but now they become gigantic burdens as we get older. That's a pitfall that we've got to be very careful of. Number two, he says, life's challenges. Life's challenges that never worried us in our youth become worrisome to us as we age. Look at again, verse 5. He said, when men are afraid of heights and of danger in the streets. Now, what does that mean? Well, I think all of us can remember back in our youth, you know, as a young man or young woman, we would do, we would do many things without any regard to the consequences. Isn't that true? How I many of you can think back over your life and you think, you look back now and you think, why did I do that? You know, when, when we're young, you don't think about it. You think you're invincible. You think you're going to live forever? You think that there's no, nothing's ever going to catch up with you? And so you do things like, you know, when, when, when your kids are growing up, I, I heard it a lot when I was growing up, if you, you know, my friends are doing it. Well, if your friends jumped off of a cliff, would you do it too? Probably. I mean, because that's what you do as a young person. You, you, just, you just do it anyway. And you don't think about the long-term consequences. You know, I'm not advising this type of living, by the way, Okay. 
But the truth is, every one of us have done things in our youth that we look back on now and think, man, I can't believe I was so stupid. <laughs> Maybe you can't. I can anyway. When I was in high school, I shared this, and I have to be careful. I mentioned this in early service. Probably about 15 years ago or so, we were burglarized. The church was burglarized. And how they broke into the church is, was a story that I related in the Sunday morning service. So I'll be careful how I phrase this. When I was a kid growing up in high school, we, I was part of Mobile County Public Schools in Mobile, Alabama. And they built us a new high school, at my high school uh, during my high school years. And the brag about this school was it was the most advanced building that had been built in Mobile County Public Schools. And that it was, you could not break into it. Well, now for a teenage boy with buddies, and you hear you can't do something, I took that as a challenge. You know, it's like a, the southern thing, I double dog dare you. Well, that was like a double dog dare to me, so I'm like, okay. So we figured out how to break into that school. And so what we would do is, my buddies, we would go in, we would break into the school, and we would run to the front of the building. I won't tell you how we broke in because that's how they got into the church, and I won't, I won't tell you how we did that. But we, we would run to the front of the building, turn around and run back, get out of the building, go into the woods, and hide and wait for the sheriff's department to show up and do their searches. And we thought that was the funniest thing. We made a game out of it. I look back now, and I'm thinking, that was pretty dumb. <laughs> I mean, you know, uh, and that, that's really mild. I mean, there's some other things. I look back and I'm like, what were you thinking? How many of you do that? Anybody, anybody got stories that you could probably remember? And you think, man, why did I do stuff like that? Sure, because when we're young, we don't think about the consequences of it. We think we're invincible. Uh, again, as a youth, we have no fear about tomorrow. And so we think we're going to live forever. So it's not a big deal. We race through life at breakneck, breakneck speed. And we think very little of the risks that are involved. But you know what? As we get older, we become anxious about tomorrow. Just a few months back, my dad was a, he was a firefighter for the county, but then he owned a roof and construction business on the side. So I've, I've been, I started working with my dad when I was probably, I don't know, I was a young boy. I'd go and my first job with my dad would be pick up nails and shingles that had fallen off the roof. And then I got to start carrying shingles up the ladder. I, I thought that was a big deal. Then I could get two on each shoulder, and I'd shimmy up that ladder and get on that roof, and I'd just walk all over that roof. So I've been on the roof thousands of times. Back in March, after our storm, I noticed I have a, I have a skylight uh, in my house. And I, one day I was in the kitchen, and I looked up, and I noticed cracks in it. And I thought, wow, I need to, I need to waterproof that. And so, like I have thousands of times, I put the ladder up, I shimmy up that ladder, I get up on the roof, and I freeze. And I'm standing there, and I'm thinking, oh, this is, you, you know what, I'm, I mean, I, I was uncomfortable, because I'm thinking, you know, as a kid, I'd jump off a roof. I mean, it was not a big deal. I mean, okay, I'll just jump down. Let's take the quick way down. But at 57 years old, I'm looking up there, and I'm thinking, what if I fall? I'm thinking about hips going out. I'm thinking about knees, <laughs> and, and I'm, I'm just kind of, I'm not paralyzed by fear, but I'm just really overly anxious by being on that roof, and I'm thinking, I mean, I've even climbed up on this roof many times in my 30 years here. I don't know I'd be doing it now. 
See, that's what happens as we get older. We start paying a little more attention to things. Even, even something as simple as this, the thought of jumping down onto the floor. As, 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 that's not hard. That's not difficult. But I stand here and I think, you know what? You're going to break a leg. <laughs> that, that's what I think. And I don't like, I'm allergic to one thing. Pain. And that looks like a lot of pain. But see, as I get older, I start thinking like that, okay? You know, everything, you know, as I get older, I want things to be just like it is. I mean, how many of you have the same routine every morning you get up? It's because we, as we get older, we like things just like they are. You know, we have Taco Tuesday for a reason. It's been Taco Tuesday since tacos were invented. You know, it, we just like that. We're comfortable with that. What he says is, focus on your relationship with God while you're young. And as you get older, it'll be a comfort for you. Number three, our bodies worked fine when we were young, but now it's fallen to pieces. You know you're getting older when you're on first-name basis with your doctor and your pharmacist. <laughs> Every one of us can testify to the fact that getting older, as we get older, our bodies don't work the way they used to. And you know what? It can be a very frustrating thing. I'll be honest with you. It can be a very frustrating thing. There were things that I could do. You know, I've been an athlete all my life. In my time in the military, I, I, I mean, there were things I could do. I still like to think I could. I still like to think, man, you come messing with my family, and I'll go, I'll go John Rambo on you in a heartbeat. But the only problem is I don't know if my body could, could do any of that stuff anymore. It's a, and it's a sad reality, okay? You know, we, we can, again, as we get older, there are things that we can't do. I, there are things you couldn't do five, you could do five years ago you can't do now, right? You know, I mean, it can be very frustrating to wake up every morning with aches and pains that you didn't have when you went to bed. And you think, what did I do? So my back, my back, I, I don't even know what I did to my back. I go to lunch. I have a lunch appointment on Wednesday with a, with, with a guy, and I go to lunch, and I come out of, the, out of Cotton Patch, and, and I walk to my car, and I'm thinking, that feels a little tight, a little tense back there. And from there, if you were here Wednesday night, you saw me. I mean, I'm just like, you know, I, I got TENS unit going on, and I won't tell you about ODing on some pain medicine on Thursday night, but uh, it was a wild ride for sure. <laughs> I misread the dosage and took the, wrong, took the pain medicine, and I woke up Friday morning, and I was in another world. <laughs> I thought, I'm going to be doing that again. <laughs> My daughter's like, Dad, do I need to stay home with you? And I'm like, no, I'm, it, it'll be Okay. <laughs> I'll just lay here and I'll, I'll just let the world spin while I'm here. <laughs> That's what happens when you get older. Paul said it like this, outwardly we are wasting away. But you know what? What he would tell us is, you know what? Don't check out though. Because inwardly you're being renewed day by day. See, that's the thing right there. Is I can age gracefully by understanding my limitations. My spirit, though, I still feel, I've been pastor, again, you know, a long time, 30 years. I still feel, well, in fact, today's the first Sunday of September, right? 30 years ago today, I was voted in as pastor of this church. 
Yeah, I just dawned on me right there. 30 years ago today. I came the first Sunday in, in, in July. was my first Sunday. was voted in first Sunday of September 30 years ago. Here, here's the thing. I have as much joy preaching today as I ever have. I still get, I have, I have thousands of sermons in my files in my office. And that's what they are, they're files. Every, every week God gives me something fresh in my spirit. I still have butterflies every time I get up here. That's how I know that inwardly my spirit's being renewed. I don't want to become an old hat. I don't want to, be, I don't want to age to the place where I look like I've been baptized in pickle juice and I just sour. I don't want to be like that. I want to renew my spirit. I want to keep, listen, there's still rivers that I can cross. There's still mountains that I can climb. It might take me a little longer to get to the top, but I can still do it. Listen, inwardly, we're being renewed. Number four, let's look at this one. I got to hurry up. In our youth, we live for the moment. In our old age, we live for the past. Verse one, and the years approach when you will say, I find no pleasure in them. See, for the most part, older people see the best years behind them. They will talk about their good old days and their days that are 30, 40, 50 years ago. They tend to think the best days of the church are behind us. Now listen, there's nothing wrong with the good old days unless you're living there at the expense of the present. Those days are gone. It's a whole different generation. I told the early service this morning, I feel like a dinosaur. Ministry's changed so much in my 30, 30 just being here 30 years, my ministry's changed. I feel sometimes like a dinosaur. You know, I go, I go meet other young ministers and, uh, you know, different various things that we do, and, 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 and they talk a language I don't understand. And I'm thinking, man, you know, it's just a different world. But here's the thing, the best days are not behind us. My, your best days, no matter what your age is right now, they're not behind you. Yeah, they're good days, and we look back, and those memories, they're wonderful, and they're, they're, it's nice to have nostalgia and go back and visit those places, but you know what? We don't live there anymore, and we can't live back there at the expense of where we are in this present day. You see, this is why we need to cultivate a growing relationship with God while we're young so that as we get older, we can relish in that relationship day by day by day. Listen, there are some, these are some pitfalls of aging, and, 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 but, it, but the reality is it doesn't have to be gloom and despair and agony. Getting older doesn't have to be like that. The aging process can be some of the most enjoyable times of our life. So keep your shoes on because the game's not over. The race is still going. The title of this message came from my dad. My dad would come home from work, and the first thing he would do after he would get cleaned up is he had a chair. My dad... My dad would sit, he'd take his shoes off, and he'd sit in his chair. And it said to the family, the five of us children, that when daddy took his shoes off, there's no going anywhere, because daddy's done. My dad would sit there in his chair. My dad dropped out of school in eighth grade, but probably one of the smartest men I'd ever met in my life. My dad read more than anybody I've ever seen in my life. He would have a magazine, he'd have a newspaper, he'd have a book, he'd have something. My dad just consumed knowledge and when my dad sat down kicked his shoes off and sat down with the paper everybody knew we ain't going nowhere daddy's done what i'm saying today is particularly i know it's to the senior adults here keep your shoes on 
because we need you in the race. You see, in a, in a football game, the football game is usually won in the second half. That's where it's won or lost most of the time. And it's the same thing that's true in the game of life, regardless of how the first half went. Listen, we can redeem the second half. We can finish well. That's what Paul said to Timothy. He said, I run my race. He said, I finished my course. How was he able to finish? He kept his shoes on. He kept his shoes on. What I'm saying as pastor to all of our senior adults here, we need you in the race. Keep your shoes on. Keep running the race. Keep your eyes on the prize. Yeah, you're closer to heaven now than you were before. That's just the reality. But you know what? We've got a lot of young people here that need some encouragement from the older people. We've got generations that are coming up after us. You know, I look to that generation that was before me that encouraged me and helped shape who I am today. And then, you know what, my, my, my daughter's grown up in this church with generations speaking into her. Now my grandchildren are growing up in this church and there are generations that are speaking into them. We need that. We need you. We need you to keep your shoes on. How many's ever heard, guys, come on back. I'm going to wrap this up here in a moment. How many's ever heard of Grandma Moses? Anybody ever heard of Grandma Moses? Grandma Moses, interesting about her, Grandma Mo, she was an artist, by the way, if you didn't know. Grandma Mo, Modus, Moses, Moses was 78 years old when she decided to take up painting. Now, the thing is, she had no formal training. She just taught herself. And she produced more than 1,500 paintings, many of which are considered today as masterpieces. In fact, I just kind of Googled the other day just to see and one of her paintings sold for $1.5 million. A lady who had no formal training, who decided at the age of 78, you know what, I'm not done living yet. And she took a painting and painted these masterpieces. And the thing is, most of the 1,500 pieces that she painted came after her 100th birthday. She knew the secret of living and winning in the second half. She kept her shoes on she stayed in the game. You think about Moses in the Bible. Moses was another late bloomer. He lived 80 years, and up to that 80-year point, he hadn't accomplished anything. And if he would have died at the age of 80, you know what? None of us would have known who Moses was, right? But at the age of 80, he had an encounter with God that changed his life. And the second half, he becomes one of the most renowned men of Scripture. In the second half of his life, what I'm saying is that we don't have to waste away on the vine. We don't have to dry up like prunes. We don't have to sour. We can keep our shoes on and we can keep running, albeit maybe not as fast and maybe not as long, but we can keep at it. Our society doesn't place, and I'm, I'm speaking to our young people here today, our society doesn't place a lot of a, a premium on aging, but the reality is we are missing. If we, if we neglect the elderly, um, among us. We're missing out on one of the greatest assets available to us today. I like the way somebody put it, someone put it like this, and they did it very well. They said, we have rejected the wisdom of the aged, and in doing so, we have robbed old age of its meaning and the youth of its direction. I think that's profound. When we denigrate the elderly, we rob them of what it means to be senior adult and we rob the youth of their direction because it is our responsibility to keep forging paths for the next generation to keep walking.
There was a generation ahead of me that blazed the trail that I'm walking on now. I'm blazing the trail for a generation coming after me. And if the Lord tarries another 50 years, there'll be generations that will come after them. Our job is to, main, is to stay cohesive as a family. So let me ask you as I close this morning, do you have your running shoes on? Are you running your race? Seniors, listen, we need you involved. We need your, in, your insight, your input. There are things that you can do to finish strong here at Bethel Temple. Listen, you may not be able to teach the class, do the outreaches that you used to do, but you know what? We still need you on the team. There might be a young person that you can walk up and say, you know, you could be a surrogate to them. We do have kids that need surrogate, older adults in their life. There's an impact that can be made right there. Won't you stand with me this morning as we close? Again, today is a little bit different than what we typically do, but I want to honor. Again, not on the calendar. I didn't make it up. Well, I did too. It's, you know. I want you to know that this preacher loves you very, very much. And I value your prayers, your input. You're not, you're not just space taking up space. You are somebody that contributes. To the, to, we are who we are today because of those who have gone before us. And I value that and I respect that. And again, I'm, and, and I know I'm getting close to that point too, where, you know, but with all seriousness, you are invaluable to this body and I want you to hear that from me. Things are different now. You know, 30 years ago, music was different. Today it's different. Outreaches then were different. They're different now. It's a different world that we live in. We're dealing with things today that we're never taught how to deal with in, in school. You never, you're never taught how to deal with those things. It's a tough, tough world. And to be able to have wisdom from people who have walked with the Lord for 60, 70 years, say, you know, problems may have been different, but the solutions have always been the same. Jesus. So thank you, and keep up the good work. Now to the rest of the body, let's value and honor the elderly among us. If you're a young person here, and maybe you don't have a, a grandparent that's active in your life, you know, regardless of whatever the reason is, maybe geographical or what have you, find, find somebody that you can adopt. I think it's a great thing to do. Find somebody that you can that you can go to and, and, and you know, they, they may not understand your language sometimes. They may not understand your dress sometimes. Hey, I don't, I, you know, I'm at loss for words at times. My granddaughter come in, come walking in the house, bro. Like, what? What do you mean, bro? <laughs> Just different. <laughs> but those are moments that I won't change. I wouldn't change for a million bucks be able to sit down and little Emmy, little Emmy the other night had a little fever blister and I went in there and I knelt down beside the bed and I put my hand on her, her cheek and I said, then Papa's going to pray for you and I just prayed for her and I said, dear Jesus, I said, Emmy, Emmy's got these fever blisters and they hurt. I said, Emmy believes and I believe and I said, I want you to touch her and heal her so when she wakes up in the morning. And when I said amen, she just, her eyes brightened up. She said, Papa, she said, you prayed for me. And I said, yes, I do, because I believe that Jesus can heal you. Those are investments. 
Those are investments. That's what we as older people have to do to the next generation. I want to close out this way. I, I, I really struggled with how to, because I'm an altar guy. I really struggled with how to, to, to do the altar call today. So I, so I want to do two things this morning. Number one, as always, if you're here and you need some prayer for anything going on in your life, then I, I want you to come and let us pray with you today. The second thing is this. Maybe you're here today and you're having a hard time growing old gracefully. If, that, if I can put it that way. And, I, and I, don't, I don't mean that with a tongue-in-cheek, but it's difficult. I constantly pray because I'm having a, I am having a hard time when for 50-plus years I've, I, I have lived a, thank the Lord, I've lived a very stout, healthy, strong life. Not anything I couldn't do and wouldn't even attempt to do, even up a few years ago. But today it's different. Today I find myself challenged to do things for fear of throwing my back out or something else and I don't want to live that type of life I don't want to get to that place where you know he said you get to the point where the la- you, you despise the present I don't want to be like that and so that's what I'm talking about maybe you're here today and maybe there are thing, challenges that you're experiencing right now and you don't know how to deal with those emotions you know what I want us to pray a blessing over you that God will help you as you grow, that you can grow older gracefully and with great wisdom for others. So while they sing, any one of those areas, if you're here today and you need somebody to pray with you, I want you to come. How about do this? Why don't you come over here on my right, your left, if you want somebody to pray, any specific need that you have, and then if you're here and say, you know what, I want God to help me to grow old gracefully. I'm dealing with some challenges. I just want God to help me. I want you to come to my left, your right, and we'll pray with you there. Why will they sing? Would you, would you come this morning if you need prayer? Lord, you are more precious than silver.
I desire compares with him as we pray this morning I want you to remember again whatever your age is keep Christ center of your life if you're young keep him the center of your life and he'll take you all the way home if you're in the twilight of your life keep him the center of your life and he'll make sure you get home safely and well if you brought an antique, we will have the youth, we'll, we'll lock th things up and you can get them during the week if you want or next Sunday. The youth will be back there. The, next Sunday, I'll announce the winners. If you're comfortable leaving it, that's fine. If not, go ahead and take it, but they'll need some time. I don't think you want to hang around uh, while they try to figure everything out. Um, but I love you so much. Thank you for being you. Father, today I love you. Thank you. Thank you that you understand you understand the struggles of life you understand that how young we can do things as we get older it does challenge us and sometimes it even frightens us we have pains in places we've never had pains before aches 
in places that never ached and it frightens us. But I thank you for the abiding presence and power of the Holy Spirit who has promised to be with us always, even to the very end. So, Father, may we determine within ourselves that we will cultivate that relationship with you, that you will remain at the center of that relationship, Lord, regardless of our age at this moment, and that we will run our race, we'll keep our shoes on until you call us home. I speak blessings now over the senior adults of our church. Lord, I pray that they know how much that we love them and cherish them. The wisdom that they provide is beyond value to us. Lord, I pray that you would just rain upon them with special favor and blessings, and may they know that they are appreciated. And I pray, Father, that uh, young people here today would recognize the vast wisdom that's available to them in this body today. Now, I ask you to go with us. Give us a great day. May we walk in your strength and in your power. Lord, every day may we be a, a, a light that shines in the dark world in which we live. And Father, should you tarry, bring us again at the next appointed time. I love and I bless each one now in Jesus' mighty name. And we all said, amen. Thanks for being with us online. I look forward to seeing you next time. God bless you and I love you very much. Of the sweetest of love, with my heart.